Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be now this aqueduct that they stood at here, this was a very busy place. People are going to come where the water's at. If you've been out to Jerusalem, it's a dry area. That means they came there to intimidate there, also to get as many people scared as they could. You do it around water. So they wanted as many people as possible to hear them shout their fear tactics. And that's what the news media wants of you today. They want you to come to that TV set and hear them holler. 2 Kings eighteen nineteen. Then the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? You speak of having plans and power for war, but they're mere words. And in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem? So intimidating words here that he's got. He's trying to scare them. Who do you put your trust in? Who are you leaning on? He said, what makes you think that you have the right or the power to stand up against the king of Assyria? He's going to knock you down so fast. This delegation that got sent into Jerusalem, they don't know the God of Israel, do they? Oh, are they in for it? Oh, I was reading that like, whoo. So now that the alliance that Hezekiah had joined, all the nations that were in it, they had all fallen out. They all gave up Assyria's too big. The only nation that was left was Egypt, and Egypt wasn't very strong at this point in history. And that's why Rabshakeh said Egypt was like a stalk of grass, and if any guy leaned on it, it would just, it would just break. There's nothing left of Egypt. You're losing all your hope. You don't have anything left that can help you. Who do you trust in to make you think you can take us on, is what he's basically saying. So he was trying to make Hezekiah's men fear that their hope was, hope was all seeking into the ground, that they had nothing left that they could trust in. You should be scared, is what he's saying. Again, I'm going to tell you, if you turn on the TV and if you start getting scared, you think of this moment here at the aqueduct. Who's your God? Who is your God? Oh, you should be scared. Everybody's losing their money. You should be scared, the news says. Sounds like the news. Rabshakeh. 
also took a direct stab at the Lord by bringing up the fact that all of the high places of worship had been taken down. He says, y'all took these things down. You know, friends, the Lord never wanted those high places of worship up there, but for the, he wanted the people to come to the temple. That's the way the Lord wanted the worship to be done. So in Rabshakeh's mind, he thought these high places being taken down was a point of weakness for them, that somehow their God had abandoned them. Well, we might as well take the, the high places down, I guess. Our God left us. And Rabshakeh's like, see, your God left you. See, you don't have Egypt. You can't take us on. Your God is gone. Y'all even just gave up on him. You took the high places down. So he's trying to taunt Hezekiah into thinking that this was proof that the Lord God had left. And I think some of the people listening to him would be thinking, wait a minute, what's this guy saying? We were told to take those things down. Hezekiah, he knows Hezekiah and took them down, but that's so we could get right with the Lord, not because we gave up on the Lord. You see what's going on here? Hezekiah is trying to scare them with words. He, he was flawed in his thinking. He was thinking, your high places are gone. Your God must be gone. But the people are like, no, we got right with the Lord. We were supposed to take those down. You see where Rabshakeh's off? He thinks he's scaring them <laughs> with what he's saying. He's kind of making a fool of himself, actually, while he's trying to stir up fear. In reality, he's actually getting the people recognize what an idiot he was. And so Rabshakeh's flawed understanding, his words, your high places are gone, oh, your God's gone. The people are like, well, no, this is what we're supposed to do. I think Rabshakeh's flawed understanding, his words began to get the people to realize that their God had not abandoned them, that they had no fear of the Assyrians they, they should have had. They're starting to think, wait a minute, this is not making sense to us. We don't need to be afraid of them. We've gotten right with the Lord God. Can you say the word backfire? I think that's what's happening here in his attempt to scare them. Do you see how the Lord has really turned the tables on this guy? He come in boasting all these things and he's really actually confirming to a lot of the people that their God is still with them. <laughs> what was meant to cause people to lose hope, it actually gave them new hope. And friends, I want you to gauge that with the word of God when you watch the news and they say all this terrible stuff's happening. Everything's failing. You should be scared. Don't get scared. I want you to be encouraged in God's word because God said these are the things that would happen. Be excited that the very things he said would happen are out there happening and go, yes. In the news today, this thing went bad. God said that was going to happen. Yes. <laughs> you see what I'm getting at? The world's not falling apart. It's falling together. The way the Lord said it would go prophetically towards these end times. Be glad in that. Amen. Whew. So what was supposed to scare them actually gave them hope. 2 Kings 18.23. Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them, how then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? He's making fun of their military capacity. You can't knock over one guy. He says, look, I will even help you take us. I will give you free military gear. <laughs> 
And you're so outnumbered, you can't even take the lowest captain we got. And I'll even help you try to take one down. That's how bad off you are. You're all by yourself. Your God has left you. You lose. We win. Have you ever felt like this? Everything I have is gone. I'm dried up. I can't win. I can't get out of this. Now, I have to admit, Judah's military being weak, that might have actually been the one thing that Rabshakeh was right about, that he said that was correct. They probably were too weak to knock over one guy, one captain. That probably is true. But the one thing that Rabshakeh was wrong about is that their God had not abandoned them. He was still there. Judah was no match for them, no doubt. Egypt couldn't help either, very true. But their God had not gone. They had not, their God had not left them. And why did he not leave them? Because Judah is the one tribe of all Israel that God had made that specific Davidic covenant with. It's a special covenant even within all Israel. That one little tribe has a particular covenant on them. He did not abandon them. So Judah was no match, true, but their God had not left. So here stood Rabshakeh, one of Satan's little puppets, with the little strings getting pulled. What do you want me to do, devil? Okay, I'll do that. They come at us all the time, and you need to have discernment to recognize when they do. He come and sent to intimidate them with fear, just like me and Byron faced the other day. You can't do this. You're going to fail. God is not with you. And she walked away shouting that God was with her. You remember that, Byron? She told us we can't do it, but she had the Lord. She goes, God's always with me. Your doors are locked on churches, but God is always open. She had God and we didn't. You're going to fail. We don't need a church here. It's not going to work. Same thing going on here. You don't have God. I do. Friends, today, and I, heard, I jotted it down in my notes. Today we sang, the God of angel armies is always by my side. Do not forget that when you face these kind of people off. So look at what he says next, 2 Kings 18.25. He says, have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Okay, so now he's saying the Lord told him to do this now. You lost the Lord, but I have him. He claimed the Lord came to Assyria's side. Your God is gone. Now he hates you. It ain't going to work out for you. He's with us. Again, Rabshakeh is airing out his ignorance. Uh, Isaiah 45, verse 4, I want to show you. The Lord said, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord. There is no other. There is no God besides me. I will gird you, though you have not known me. I'm going to do things for you, even though you don't even know who I am. Sinner, we messed up. We blew it. I get it. But God will still encourage you even in the times when you're not knowing him. That is covenant. That's how covenant works. It's not dependent on you. It's dependent on the Lord God. Thank God it's all dependent on him because if any of it was dependent on me, I'd blow it all over again. 
and never be saved. The Lord promised that he would surround them and build them up even though there were many, many times when they never believed in him. Even though they worshiped bronze serpents, even though they put up gold calves, even though King David had adultery with that woman Bathsheba and had her husband murdered in the times they did not know God, in the times they weren't thinking about him, believing in him, God says, I made covenant with you. I will still build you up because I said I'd do it. That's how covenant works. And you need to be under the covenant of Jesus Christ to have this. So yes, God has certainly punished Israel for their sin at times. We just saw the kingdom of Israel fall and they all got deported and dragged away. But God has never abandoned his people. You may be at times spiritually, economically, emotionally deported in your life. There may be times for that, but God has never left you. Never You may be in a place you don't want to be right now, but he never left you. And so you can see how these demons were dealing doubt outwardly. They were trying to make everybody scared. They were dealing doubt through Rabshakeh, speaking fear in direct opposition to God's promise. That's how you can spot a demon, because they will take God's promises and spend 180 degrees against it and try to make you believe contrary to what God has already promised you. That's demonic. Not Hollywood. Although sometimes I've seen it get weird before, and it'll freak you out. But the things they're trying to get you to believe are the things that are contrary, exactly opposite of what God has told you in His Word in direct opposition to God's promise. Now, 2 Kings 18, 26, then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, Shebna, and Joah, said to the Rabshakeh, please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said to them, has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words? and not to the men who sit on the wall, who will eat and drink their own waste with you. Demons are nasty sons of guns, I'll tell you. So here's, here's what they're, they're, the fear is. If Judah were to be conquered by the Assyrians, then the common people, these people on the wall listening in and all around the aqueduct that were hearing all this shouting going on, what would happen to them? if they got taken over, well, the first thing that would happen is they would starve. They'd run out of food to eat. And that's what the the fear tactics they're trying to put on them. That's why the Rabshakeh threatened that they would soon be forced to eat their own excrement to survive. He's trying to scare them. You're about to starve. You can't take us. This is what you're going to end up doing. And they said, don't talk like this. Speak in Aramaic. You're scaring everybody. We don't want the people to, to panic. So let's go to Aramaic and talk this out. Watch what he does. 2 Kings 18, 28. Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew. <laughs> They're bullies, guys. In Hebrew and spoke saying, hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you. 
for he shall not be able to deliver you from his hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make peace with me by a present and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine and every one from his own fig tree and every one of you drink from the waters of his own cistern. Boy, he just raised the volume up by a lot. Dude, let's talk in Aramaic. Don't scare the people. And he shouted in Hebrew. He's just not having it. The more fear, the more undermining of the people's trust in both, the, in both Hezekiah and undermine trusting in the Lord, the better, the better they're going to feel making more, as much fear as they can. Nobody can get you out of this trouble. God's gone. You're in trouble. It's over. But he did say this, though. Check this out. He did say this. He said, pay me and everything will be all right. Mm, there you go what does the lord say love of money means you hate god whatever whichever one you love you're gonna hate the other pay me though and that money will get you out of anything that money will buy your way out of absolutely everything you don't have to worry about nothing if you just cough up the money and this is the exact same message that prosperity preachers are saying today Pay me money and you'll be all right. Do you know that the prosperity pastors are conditioning people to accept the Antichrist when he comes? Because the Antichrist gets here, he's going to have the ability for a time to give people what they want. And when they believe that this is their God-sent dude, they're going to worship that guy. Pay me and you'll have everything okay. You'll, drink, you'll eat off your own vine, drink from your own cistern, but it costs a little money for you to do it. And so everybody's running to these prosperity pastors saying, we gotta get more money. And the prosperity pastor says, well, pay me, and everything will be all right, and then God will give more back to you. Reeling them right in by the millions. I've been to Nigeria, and that's the way it is over there. The pastors get up in front of thousands of people in a huge church. What do you want, sir? A jumbo jet. Done. What do you want, sir? $10 million. Done. The Lord will give it to you. He's taking requests and telling them they're going to get it. And me and Dover, they're going, my God. And I knew the message I was going to preach. And he knew the message he was going to preach. And we're like, well, Dove, I guess this is the one time we'll be invited here. But we got up there and belted it out. And some people are like, Huh? pay me and everything's all right these prosperity pastors they prey on people who are scared who feel like god has abandoned them and so they don't teach them to trust in the lord alone no your money will get you out of this pay me and the lord who is on my side i have the lord now they stand up there in them big, tall pulpits with the giant places. The Lord must be on my side. Look, pay me and everything will be okay. And they'll go throw money in that thing. Boom. And they feel the better they pay, the more they're going to get back. And they just fund that guy's Ponzi scheme. Give me the money. It'll be okay. They prey on people who are scared. 
Your money cannot get you out of this, friends. The money couldn't get them out of this. So he said, pay me and you can live. And I want you to get ready for what he's about to say next. Remember I told you demons speak against, they speak contrary to covenant. They speak against promise. I want you to see what he says next. He said, pay me and you can live in your own land and your own grapevine, your own cistern until, and this is where it gets real deep. 2 Kings 18.32, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land. A land of grain and new wine. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful, you're going to love it. A land of bread and vineyards. A land of olive groves and honey that you may live and not die. But do not listen to Hezekiah, lest he persuade you, saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations at all delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Verse 34, where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Surf, 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 Surf and USA? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim and Hena and Iva? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Boy, this little son of a gun has one big doggone mouth, doesn't he? First, the demons dealt doubt by saying that their God who had promised to gird them up had left them. And now they're saying money can buy your way out. And now the demons tried to entice them to abandon the very land that God had promised to give to them. That is their covenant land there. And now he's trying to say, leave and we'll take you somewhere else, a place that's like your land. Somewhere else. Friends, there is a reason why Israel is called the promised land. And that's because that land is where God took them to the promise there, not somewhere else. That's why all the God-hating nations around the world are against Israel because they're trying to knock them out of there to invalidate the covenant promise of God, to make God a liar. If Satan can make God into a liar, then Satan wins. That's his whole agenda. To make God a liar, to make you believe that God can't, can't pull it off. You see, this intimidation here is not just to hurt the people back then that we're thinking about hundreds of years ago. It's not just to hurt them back then. If Satan were to have succeeded in breaking God's covenant promise and getting the, the Jews out of their land, then this would condemn us today. Because that means that God can't hold a promise. He just can't keep it up, fell apart. God's, oh gosh, I didn't see that coming. I thought I was able to hold it together and I can't. Then God's a liar. You can't trust in him. You can't believe in him. Then don't follow him. And then Satan goes, gotcha. You see how he tried to mess with your salvation here by taking out the people who you Gentiles are grafted into for your salvation? He tried to entice them to leave their land. Your God left. You don't have any military. You can't stand up. You can't even take my weakest king on, uh, my weakest captain. You might as well just give up and leave. Oh, we'll take you somewhere else. It's nice. Just like the one you have here. Well, if it's just like the one we have here, why do we need to leave? 
because there's covenant promise in that land that they're standing on. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.